When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and today we are going to do some Andrew Barry uh, draft reviews. We're going to look at his third round picks. Uh, Mary Kay, those are very important now for the Cleveland Browns as they don't have any first rounders. And so uh, to take a look at the third round picks Andrew Barry has made in his three years uh, as GM, kind of see, I figure we can talk about you know, what's gone right, what's gone wrong with the pick. Do they still have a chance? Uh, kind of go through some of these players that he's taken in the third round. And let's just go ahead and start with the 2020 draft. Uh, so there were two third round picks in this draft. The first one was Jordan Elliott at number 88 overall. So Mary Kay, when you look at Jordan Elliott, um, Played a decent amount his first two years, but really took over as the starter at defensive tackle in year three. Got talked up a ton in training camp uh, leading up to the season. And then ultimately, you know, here we are. The Browns are kind of looking for defensive tackles now. So where do you think the Jordan Elliott pick stands right now as of today? Well, we had heard from everyone, including Chris Kiffin, the former Browns defensive line coach, who is now the linebackers coach of the Texans, um, departed just this week. Uh, You know, we had heard from him that Jordan Elliott was supposed to have a breakout year last year. And then Miles Garrett followed that up and basically said the same thing. They thought they uh, saw that he was lights out in the offseason and that he was really, really coming around and he was poised to take that big, huge step up into that starting role. It didn't really happen. Um, I don't know if one of you guys ha- uh, have pulled up his PFF grade from last year yet, um, but it wasn't what you would expect. It was pretty low down the totem pole in terms of where he ranked amongst defensive tackles in the NFL. And um, it's, it's just not what you need. And when you look at a Jim Schwartz defense, and I just posted a story talking to some Eagles defenders about Jim Schwartz. But one thing we know about him is the fact that he really loves his defensive tackles and they have to perform very well. They have to be able to get to the quarterback. They have to be disruptive. Uh, They they have to get pressures, uh, tackles behind the line of scrimmage, force some fumbles, swats down some passes. And a lot of times they make it to the Pro Bowl. So that's the caliber of defensive tackle that Jim Schwartz is going to need on his defense. If, if, 
Jordan Elliott is going to be a guy that he relies on. He's really going to have to step it up in his second full season as a starter in 2023, if that's the way it shakes out. Yeah, Ashley, this isn't the most um, analytically driven analysis here, but just in three years of sitting in press boxes and hearing them announce every play, every tackle, I just haven't heard Jordan Elliott's name a lot. Now, he did get two sacks, I believe it was, this year, but I just never felt like he was an impactful defensive tackle along that line. No, I mean, he really wasn't. There was really no one this year on that line that offered, you know, that second level of production. They got that in 2021 from Jadavian Clowney when he had like nine sacks. This year, Miles Garrett had 16 and Taven Bryan was number two with two. So there was a huge drop off this year. Looking at Jordan Elliott's PFF grades, um, these were across the board, the lowest grades of his career, except for his pass rush grade at 59. Again, because of those two sacks, I think he had like 21 total pressures this year. But that was like his highest grade overall. I think we went over this before that when you looked at where the Browns defensive tackles ranked across the league, you know, he was in the 130s for defensive grade. Um, He had the worst run defense grade on the team. And that's obviously not what you want out of the front of your defense. So I think it's safe to say like the way guys were talking about him, I think we expected there to be more production in terms of rush, rushing the passer, creating takeaways, stopping the run, seeing those kind of big hits that you would expect given the way they were talking about him. And we just didn't see that. So I want to talk about these two players together. I have questions about both of them together. So let's also talk about that other third round pick that the Browns made. And this one was at number 97 overall. This was a supplemental pick. Uh, Jacob Phillips out of LSU. So, Mary Kay, when you look at Jacob Phillips, this was a guy that it seemed like they wanted him to, somebody wanted him to start, whether it was the coaching staff or the front office or someone wanted Jacob Phillips to be the starting middle linebacker this year. It ended up being Anthony Walker. And when Jacob had his opportunities after Walker got hurt before Jacob got hurt, um, it wasn't it wasn't great. He didn't really show much to be like, okay, maybe there's something here. Um, it's been injuries. It's been performance. It's just been a lot of things with Jacob so far. It really has. And, you know, last year he suffered the torn biceps and missed most of the season. Uh, and then, of course, he comes back this year. They had very high hopes for him. He was in that battle. But Anthony Walker was not about to give that job up very easily at all. He stepped up his game in a very big way and really seized the moment and took that job to the point where I thought he was playing some of the absolute best ball of his career in his first few games before uh, before he suffered the torn quad, which is a really tough injury to come back from. Um, so Jacob, you know, unable to beat out Anthony Walker, that, you know, that doesn't really speak very well of, of you know, what he's been able to accomplish so, um, so far. And as you mentioned, then he ended up with a, uh, a torn pec. So now he is in the process of trying to work his way back from that. And it's just going to be a matter of, can he overcome these injuries? And what does Jim Schwartz see in him when he's watching the film? Does he believe that he needs an upgrade? I mean, he's already talked about how he wants, you know, really fast, aggressive, smart 
linebackers. And Jacob was supposed to be all of those things until, of course, uh, he got derailed by the injuries. So, uh, you know, he's going to come back. He's going to have a chance. You know, you always give your draft picks uh, more of a benefit of the doubt than you do anybody else. And I think that's especially so with this regime. They're they're loath to give up on on their draft picks. They really want to make something of them, and they draft them really young and don't expect too much out of them right away. So, um, so yeah, we'll have to see, uh, you know, where that's going to go in terms of whether or not he's going to nail down the starting job in Jim Schwartz's defense, or or whether Jim has other ideas. There's so many question marks at linebacker. It's so tough to say right now who is going to be out there starting on opening day. Yeah, Ashley, I mean, I, I, I wish the conversation with Jacob was, you know, hey, when he's healthy, he's he's been really effective. It's just been the injuries. But unfortunately, just when he got that opportunity last year, you just didn't see it. And there just wasn't enough time before he got hurt again for him. To, you know, maybe there's a world where he plays 12 games and he gets better as the season goes along, but we just never got to see if that was going to happen. Yeah, and I think for me, the first like sign that, oh, maybe something isn't going so well here or, or how the Browns want it to be was when he didn't get that starting job in the first place. Because like you said, Dan, I mean, everything, the stars were aligning for that to be him. And Anthony Walker missed a lot of time with, I think, like a back injury in training camp. It was either a back injury or a groin injury. Um, everything kind of aligned for Jacob Phillips. And then Anthony Walker came out there and kind of just showed no, you guys still need me. He forced their hand, essentially. And I think when Anthony Walker left with his injury, his season-ending injury, you saw the communication breakdowns more because that's what he's really good at. I think that's probably what pushed him over the edge when it came to who are we going to start here. And you're right. I mean, we just haven't seen the production from this guy when he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy super often. He's been hurt every single year. And it gets really hard to build up consistency at that point to the point where you're learning how to be productive in the NFL as a starter or as a key player who's getting a lot of defensive snaps. So I do think there's plenty of reason to be concerned about him that we haven't seen more from him already and that he's been injured as often as he is. So I said I wanted to talk about these two together. Um, So Mary Kay, which of these two players do you think has a brighter future or Mm. even maybe, maybe just has a future, which of these two guys do you still think has a chance? It's a really good question, Dan. It's a a great question. Um, As I've always said, you expect your third round picks to be either key contributors in a rotation or starters by now. Uh, Now that we are here heading into the 2023 season, uh, you know, that's the fourth season for those guys. It's time for them to, you know, to really show what they have, or you have a pretty good idea that they're not what perhaps you thought they were going to be out of the two of them. It's, I would say maybe Jordan Elliott, just because Jacob has had such a tough time with the injuries. I also, you know, I also think that uh, a torn pack is probably going to be a little bit difficult to come back from. So, um, so yeah, for right now, because of health reasons, more so than anything, I think I'm going to say Jordan. Ashley, that's my answer, too. Um, I'll add that I think when, when you kind of look at roles, you know, the middle linebacker is going to be the middle linebacker for the most part. Um, they did a little bit of rotating with Awok and, and Jacob, but 
I think there you could invest. Um, you know, I, I'm doing my free agents. They could steal from the NFC East teams. And Javon Hargrave was one to look at. Now he's going to be super expensive. I doubt they're going to sign a guy like that. But um, you could invest money in draft picks in that position. And Jordan Elliott could still be a rotational guy. So I mean, I think just for that alone, you know, that might be one of the reasons I would say him too. Yeah, I would also say him. And I mean, that middle linebacker spot. They also, you know, if. Sione Takitaki comes back and he gets healthy following that ACL surgery. He did a really nice job when he had to go in there and he had never really played Mike linebacker before. Uh, so that's another option even that they have if depending on what they do and depending on how healthy he is. But I do think like there was a reason to that a lot of guys were, were singling Jordan Elliott out early. I'm not sure exactly what happened that his production wasn't what we thought it was, but I think that alone is kind of promising to me because I don't think recently that we've heard people talk about Jacob in quite the same way. So I do think those guys like Miles Garrett, especially saw something. I think it's there. And I think if the Jim Schwartz defense looks like what we think it will, um, he could have more opportunities there and maybe Jim Schwartz will help him level up his game as well. Yeah, Mary Kay, before we move on, I think I think that's one thing. These two positions in particular, but there's others too, are really hard to talk about because of Jim Schwartz. Um, you know, like like I said, I was working on those free agent posts and there was a safety that I liked. And I said, oh, this safety fits what the Browns look for. And then I realized, well, maybe this safety fits what the Browns look for. We don't know now because the defensive coordinator is different. Um, so that, that also makes this a little more difficult. Like, Maybe Jim Schwartz looks at Jordan Elliott and says, nah, I just don't like the body type or something. You just, we just don't know how that's all going to play out yet. Well, yeah, it, uh, we're going to have to see what he's looking for if you know in his ideal defensive tackle. You bring up uh, Javon Hargrave. I just so happened to have the opportunity to talk to him pretty much one-on-one at the Super Bowl. It was just uh, old Javon and I kind of talking for a few minutes uh, with each other. And I got to ask him four or five different questions about Jim Schwartz. He loved playing for him. Uh, as you mentioned, he's probably too expensive, a little too rich for the Browns tastes, I would think. Uh, he's got a market value of about $20.1 million a year. Um, and then, you know, so over three years, which is, you know, what spot rack is, is putting him as for market value, three years, $60.4 million you know, that's probably a lot more than the Browns want to pay. But you know what? We don't know that for sure. If they identify that he's what Jim Schwartz needs, then they'll be willing to pay that and they'll move some other money around uh, to get what they need to get out of him. And I know for a fact that Javon Hargrave would love to play for, for Jim Schwartz the way he raved about him. When I point blank asked him, hey, would you like to be reunited with him? He just kind of laughed because, you know, you can't really get into too, too much of that. But, um, but he raved and raved about him, talked about how um, Miles is going to love playing for him, as as did the other guys. And he is absolutely somebody that, that I think, personally, uh, that they should be targeting uh, in free agency, not only just because of what he brings on the field, but because uh, Jim Schwartz is going to need a couple of guys to implement his way. And, and I think that Javon would be the perfect guy to do that. Whether or not he sees some of that upside potential in Jordan Elliott, we'll have to see. But these guys, um, you know, these guys all tell me, like, if you can't rush, rush the passer, you know, you don't really have much of a chance of being, uh, you know, a starter on this defensive line. 
Okay, let's take a break because we got a doozy of a pick to talk about coming up next here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I want to say this name. I'm, I don't want to say it too loud because I feel like if I say it too loud, somewhere Doug Maurice is going to be like, oh my God, they're talking about Anthony Schwartz and he's going to jump on our, our Zoom call here and, and jump on the podcast unexpectedly. So Anthony Schwartz, uh, your 2021 third round draft pick, the only third round draft pick um, of the Browns in 2021, 91 overall. Um, I actually remember when the Browns did one of those behind the scenes draft day things, uh, Andrew and Kevin were standing in one of their offices. And I think it was Kevin who said something like, man, we got that guy in the third round. They were excited about this pick. Mm -hmm. It obviously has not worked out for a lot of reasons. Mary Kay, what do you think they got wrong with Anthony Schwartz? Well, there's a couple of things I had known for a while that, uh, you know, that Anthony was, seeking some, you know, some help, some professional help for his, uh, you know, for his issues, just in terms of emotional issues related to, and not so related to, you know, football and trying to get out there and play this game. And then of course, Ashley was able to actually talk to him about that and do a really nice story on that. Um, But this was, this is something that's been going on with him for, you know, for quite a while. Uh, This was not something that just popped up, you know, this season or even, you know, a few weeks before uh, we, you know, got him on record talking about it. This has been going on for a while. So I think that's part of what, uh, you know, what went wrong here is that you really can't predict someone's emotional health. You can't predict that someone's going to get out on the field and start having, you know, some issues with anxiety or whatever the case may be. So that's, that has a lot to do with this, but I think just in general, that not only is, does Anthony Schwartz need to get emotionally, mentally well, but he also needs to get physically tougher. I mean, I just remember, uh, you know, just watching the, you know, this one drill, and I think you guys might have been there too, where we were watching the, you know, this one gauntlet drill where the receivers have to get through these, squeeze themselves through these pads, and he he got stuck. I mean, and it was it was tough to watch, and you know that you know, that can't be at this level. So he's really got to work hard on his physical game and he has to continue to work hard on his emotional game, which he's been doing for a long time. Um, If he can, if he can solve those things and those are pretty big things, uh, you know, then maybe he can take advantage of his speed and he can take advantage of the other skills that he brings to the table. Uh, But those things have gotten in the way for him and have really prevented him from being the player that, that the Browns think he can be. Yeah, I mean, it, as Mary Kay was describing that drill, before she even got into the description, Ashley and I both like nodded our heads because we, we knew exactly exactly what you were talking about. That, that was a that was a moment in, in training camp, for sure, or early in the season, whenever it was. Um, I went back, I randomly was um, looking at another draft receiver, one of, one of these other guys that was a sprinter, world-class speed type of guy. Um, and I kind of watched him a little bit and I got, I kind of got curious and went back and watched some Anthony Schwartz, YouTube highlights. Um, that's, that's the film I watch on draft prospects, just full disclosure. And it, I kind of wish I would have done it a little closer when they first drafted him. Cause it was a lot of gimmicky stuff and it was a lot of straight ahead stuff. There wasn't a lot of like, Hey, this guy's a receiver stuff. And I wonder if, 
Ashley, the Browns just fell in love with that speed a little bit too much and thought maybe they could develop him, develop the rest of his game into being that complete full receiver um, that, that they were hoping he could be for them. I think they fell in love with that. And then I remember, you know, them talking at the combine last year, they were kind of going back to that draft and talked about how good Anthony Schwartz was like during the zoom interviews. Like I think they fell in love with the speed and the football IQ, the acumen and assumed, like you said, Dan, Oh, we can develop the rest. And that hasn't happened, you know, for various reasons that Mary Kay laid out. So I do think this was like, for them so far, unless there is some miraculous turnaround for Anthony Schwartz on the field, this is a classic case, I think, of them falling in love with the wrong things during the draft process and overestimating how much they can do to develop a guy once they have him in their building. I just think it was never really lined up, like you said, for him to be successful right away, given what they needed to him to work on and develop. And I think he maybe didn't have that luxury early on and he's had the injuries. Of course, like he missed all of training camp, you know, his rookie year. And then he got hurt. I think like one of the first days of training camp this year is knee missed some time again. Like he's been through a lot injury wise too, on top of the mental health, the anxiety struggles. So I do wonder if they just kind of focused in on the wrong parts during the draft process and overlooked some serious red flags. And he also, um, he also got hurt early in his rookie year. Uh, not like very, like we're talking off season program early. Um, the what little off season program they had that year. Um, he got hurt and he missed um, a good chunk of that uh, soft tissue injury. I mean, the question, there is a bigger discussion here that, that we can save going back to when Andrew was here with Sashi Brown as to whether, whether these guys actually can draft wide receivers or if that's a blind spot. But we'll save that one, even though that's a big thing to throw out there. But Mary Kay, is it over with Anthony Schwartz? I mean, is there still – I mean, he's he's going to be here. He's going to be on the roster. He's going to have a chance in training camp. I, I don't think they're going to just give up on the guy. I mean, is there still a chance that he could be a productive player for this team? You know, we did ask uh, wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator Chad O'Shea about that late in the season. And he said, yes, he still thinks that uh, he still believes in Anthony Schwartz. Of course, he's not going to sit up there and tell us that he doesn't believe in Anthony Schwartz anymore. But, um, you know, I think they would like this to still work out. Again, as we mentioned before, third round picks are ones that you really want to be key contributors for you. I think we should also mention that on top of everything else, if you guys, of course, remember, I know you do, that he had the weight of the the Baker bros, as we like to call them, on his shoulders for, uh, you know, being involved in the injury, for stopping short on his route and, and being involved in the injury that um, – you know, that kind of hampered Baker Mayfield's rest of his season, uh, you know, with his shoulder injury and one thing led to another and Baker was gone. So I think, you know, Anthony had the weight of the world on his shoulders with that too. Um, That did not help matters. And I got to talk to him about that, you know, so that was another time that he like really opened up about what was a difficult time in his career. Um, So he's, he's got a lot on his plate and he thinks a lot. He takes things very seriously. He's very hard on himself. If he can work through some of these issues, then maybe he has a chance. But I think the leash is getting shorter. They really need to upgrade their, uh, you know, their 
pass catching room, their receiver room, their tight end room. They need to supply Deshaun Watson with some better weapons. And uh, I just don't know how much more time they're going to have to devote to this. Now they can put him on the practice squad and let him develop. So he does, it doesn't have to be goodbye, but I don't know if he's going to be, you know, a key contributor anytime soon. Yeah, it does feel, Ashley, I think last year we all were in agreement that like they were not going to, as that momentum was building, that they were not going to, that he was going to make the 53-man roster. I think we all agreed on that. But this year does sort of feel like the string is running out a little bit and like he's going to have to really, really earn that spot. Yeah, I mean, he just, again, like kind of the way we talked about Jacob Phillips, where he hasn't, Jacob Phillips is a guy who, when he's been healthy, hasn't really performed or like exceeded expectations. And I think Anthony is kind of the same way on the opposite side of the ball. And like you said, I think it's a problem when a guy's going this into his third year and we're still saying like, oh, well, he, he's fast, but he needs to learn how to play receiver. <laughs> like that's a problem. That's something I think that should have been rectified when he was a rookie or at least made, you know, you made big steps towards rectifying that as an organization. Um, so I really am curious. Like you said, I do think the leash is, is a lot shorter than it was going into the 2022 season, but that's the nature of the business. He's another year through his career. And yes, he had these problems and mental health can be a very real, I think, issue that athletes have to deal with, but you got to find a way to deal with it and perform on the field if you want to be a key contributor in this offense. Okay, let's take one more break, and then I've got two questions here off of the uh, the 2022 NFL draft uh, third round picks by Andrew Barry. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, one more time looking at Andrew Barry's third round picks in 2022. Obviously too early to judge these picks whether they were hits or not but you had martin emerson at number 68 overall cornerback you had alex wright edge rusher at number 78 overall and then at number 99 overall you had david bell the wide receiver out of purdue so mary Kay, which of those three players we we did the who needs to step up pod on uh on thursday which of these three players are you I mean, you can answer that needs to step up or are you most excited about? Like, who are you most optimistic about in that group? Right now, I would have to say Martin Emerson. I mean, I thought he exceeded expectations in his rookie year. The moment was not too big for him. Uh, we remember him breaking up that uh, that clutch pass to Mike Williams. He doesn't flinch. He's got a lot of confidence. Uh, he's got the uh, the requisite ability to shake off the the last play, move on to the next play. He's got good length. He's got good size. Who doesn't want a cornerback that is that big and that physical that you could put up against these big receivers, yet he's got, you know, enough speed to deal with, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the smaller, shiftier receivers. And that's where, you know, that, you know, the matchup game might come into play uh, when they're doling out reps with, you know, with Greg Newsom. I mean, maybe, you can get him on, you know, some some of the faster outside receivers, and and have Martin, you know, have Martin do something else in those games as opposed to starting on the outside in those games. I don't know how they would divide that up. We are all going to be anxiously awaiting that, as we now know that Greg has made it very clear he doesn't want to play in the slot again. Um, so that gives them three bona fide 
outside cornerbacks, which I know they think is a good problem to have. We'll see how they solve it. But um, but Martin Emerson, I just thought he he did a, a fantastic job in his rookie year for a third round pick. I thought he played above his uh, draft status, and I expect him to take another step up in year two. So Martin is a quiet guy, and um, one of my favorite moments from him was after a game this year. It might have been the Bucks game. I can't remember. But, Ashley, you and I were talking to him after the game, and one of us asked him, like, you know, are you, are you tired of getting targeted? It was something like that. You know, are you tired of getting picked on or whatever? And he kind of smiled a little bit and said something like, I kind of hope they, they keep targeting me. It was something along those lines. It was really kind of a – it was a moment where – Again, a real quiet guy. He's not going to say a lot, but you just sort of got a glimpse in into that sort of swagger or cockiness or whatever you want to call it that he has. Yeah, and I think when you look at his performance on the field, like on top of that, and and like we said, you know, he's not really bothered by much. I think about in week three against the Steelers when George Pickens made that crazy catch and truthfully watching it as an objective observer it felt like there was nothing different martin could have done on that play like it was straight up just an amazing catch and we talked to him the following week and he listed off like three things he thought he could have done differently but he also wasn't really bothered by it like he was just like yeah you know it's it's just like a learning experience i know i'm getting targeted but you know that he talked a lot to greg newsome about it because greg went through the same thing his rookie year um, and I just think physically his length is a real problem for these teams. And, and we knew that they kind of felt like that after they drafted him, but he can be really disruptive even up further towards the line of scrimmage from the jump of a guy's route because of how long he is. So I do think that's like something, somewhat of an X factor he has on this team because he does have more length than like Denzel Ward or Greg Newsom. He's taller. So all of those things I think are what led to this kind of, you know, rookie year that not a lot of people may have seen coming given where he went to school, what he did in college, where he was drafted. Okay, so Mary Kay, of the other two, David Bell and Alex Wright, who do the Browns need most? Here we go. This is that that Thursday pot all over again. Who do the Browns need most of those two to, to take a big step forward next season? Once again, good question uh, with a very, very difficult answer to it because if you're relying on David Bell to be your third receiver and your, your slot receiver on the inside, you you know, you've got to step it up and you've got to be great. You want to, you want that player to be catching, you know, 50 some passes or more uh, and making a tremendous, tremendous impact. So they need that from him. And then depending on what they do in free agency in the draft, you're going to need some sacks out of Alex Wright. So it's almost six of one, half a dozen of the other in terms of who you would need to step up more. But I guess for purposes of this conversation, if you are going to make me pick one, and I think that's what you're doing, um, I I think I I'm going to go. Absolutely with, making you pick one. <laughs> I think then I think I'll go with um, with Alex Wright because I think you can find uh, other guys to catch the ball. I mean, Michael Woods had a. Uh, you know, showed some promise. Dalen Baldwin showed some promise. Undrafted rookie. Moment was not too big for him. So he's somebody that I think you can plug in there too uh, in the event that, um, you know, you had to pick one of these two guys. I think you could find other guys that you could get some production out of at receiver. But edge rushers, those are hard to come by. Now, hopefully for them, they'll be able to go out and sign themselves a, I don't even know who, 
Brandon Graham had, he's, he's up there, man, but he had 11 sacks last year and he's only like $5.7 million in terms of what he would cost. Um, according to spot rack, but, um, but you know, you're going to need two guys that can contribute a significant amount of sacks, eight, nine, whatever the case may be. So somehow Jim Schwartz has to dig in there and see what he can get out of Alex Wright. They love him. They loved what they saw in him. They loved the potential in him. Now it's time for him to, to get home and sack the quarterback. Ashley, same question. I was also going to say Alex, just because, again, like I said earlier, the drop-off in pass rushing production, it was Miles Garrett and then everybody else. They need as much help as they can get. And I think the issue for me and why I would say Alex is because even though they need another edge rusher, at least one more edge rusher, like I think the situation at defensive tackle is a bit more dire when it comes to the guys you have on your roster currently. Um, so it would just go a long way, I think, if Alex Wright can figure out, kind of unlock that ability to get to quarterbacks at the NFL level. And I already think the one thing he does really well is kind of having that ball awareness along the line that he's able to get those batted passes. He led the team. He was like towards the top of the league, actually, I think, in getting those um, among defensive linemen this year. So I just think the production from him would go a lot further than like increased production from David Bell, which would also be nice. But I think that they know there needs to be some help in that receiver room. So I'm assuming they're going to add somebody there that is just kind of going to do some things that David Bell doesn't. That's probably going to be a little speedier than David Bell is. So I would go with Alex right here too. Okay. I think the lesson here is there's still big Big question marks, I guess, on third round picks for this team. Um, you know, we talked about those first two years. Um, you know, we're still kind of waiting on some of those guys. And like I said, this last year, uh, it, it's too early to really judge these guys. But, you know, at least Martin Emerson, I think we're all pretty excited about what he can do. If they can just get something out of one of those other two guys that we just talked about, uh, that would certainly help Andrew Barry's resume. And um, he's he's got to hit on these guys, Mary Kay. He's, he's going to have to hit these picks. Um, moving forward. Well, you know, when you look at, at what this exercise that we just did and, and we ran through these six third round picks since he's been here um, right now, conceivably we're looking at uh, potentially one full-time starter in Martin Emerson, depending on what happens with Greg Newsom. We don't know if, if Jordan Elliott is going to continue to be a full-time starter and we really don't know about any of these other guys. So you do you want your batting average to be better than one out of six here. Uh, you, you need to get a couple more starters out of these guys by now. So there should be at least three out of six of these guys should be starting or being really big-time contributors. So this is a big year for them to step up and prove it. Okay, there we go. Our look at the third round picks by Andrew Berry here on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts. Leave us five-star reviews there and also on Spotify. And check out Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And as I've been promoting our YouTube channel, Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. If you search that on YouTube, you'll be able to find us and uh, get all sorts of great Browns videos all throughout the offseason. We do two videos every day that go up from this podcast alone. So uh, it's worth checking that out as well. Uh, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.